You are listening to the New Spring Church Podcast. We're glad you're here. We want everyone everywhere to have an everyday relationship with Jesus, and we hope that this helps you do just that. That is so cool. Come on, let's just pray for the Loftus family. We, we thank you so much, Jesus, for Brandon and for Rachel and for the whole Loftus family. We thank you, God, that they live on purpose. They live on mission. We thank you, God, that they are sent. And we just pray that you would guide them, lead them, protect them, provide for them. And we just pray that their story would be an inspiration to every single one of our New Spring family, that we would feel so sent every day, whether it's in Guatemala or in Anderson, South Carolina, whether it's in some part of Southeast Asia or in the lowest state of South Carolina, I pray that we would hear your voice and go. Everywhere we are, help us live like we are sent, in Jesus' name. And the New Spring family said, amen. Well, good morning. It's so good having you with us at the 915 gathering. My name is Dan Leanne. I'm one of the teaching team here at New Spring Church. And if you're relatively new to the family, hey, good having you with us. Uh, You are so loved. You are so valued. Uh, We are in the midst of a series called Sent. It's a study through the book of Acts, and we've been gathering around this concept, this idea that God loved the world so much, he sent his son, and he loves your world so much that he's sending you. God in his love would send his son Jesus to earth to live a perfect life, to die an unjust death, to be buried in a tomb, to overcome sin and death so that we can live today and forever And because he loves the world so much, he sends his son, and he loves your world so much, he sends you. We've been going on about this over the last couple of weeks, and we're begging Jesus that he would ingrain that deep into your core, that everywhere you are, you are sent. How many know the world needs the people of Jesus more than ever? Come on, how many people know that the darkness can only be pushed back by light? Come on, how many know that in the world that is a mess? Come on, the message of the gospel can turn things upside down, right side up. The world needs you more than ever. Anderson University students, you weren't dropped off by your parents last week. You were sent by Jesus to make a difference in this community. Come on, Clemson University students, your mothers and fathers didn't load up at Target and drop you off at Lightsea just to kind of hang around for a couple of years, pick up degree, and then basically head home. No, you've been sent to the city of Clemson, South Carolina. Come on, all my game cop friends down there in Columbia, you weren't dropped off. You were sent. All my friends down there in Charleston who go along to the Citadel, you weren't dropped off, you were sent. All of us in our workplaces, in our gyms, in our golf courses that we play too much golf in, in the school that you drop your kids off at, you are sent. God loved the world so much. He sent his son Jesus and he loves your world so much. He is sending you. But here's the question. Okay, now I'm sent. What do I say? (laughs) Even last week as I was listening to Pastor Brad preach, I I could feel in rooms all across the state of South Carolina, our 14 campuses and online, people agreeing, amening, saying, yes, I want to go. I want to run towards that whisper. There is light for me to shine. There is a message for me to share. And people were responding en masse, but 
I couldn't help but ask this question. So we have a couple of thousand people running around the state of South Carolina trying to bring the good news and they get to a point where they take a deep breath and have an opportunity to share. What do you say? What I hope to do in the next couple of minutes is to equip you, maybe like you've never been equipped before, to encourage and to empower you with a simple way to share the gospel with your family, with your friends, with your sweet mates, with your football team, with your softball team, with your work colleagues, with your neighbours. I hope that as we explore what this good news message is, you all would walk out of here feeling so excited and so confident in being able to not only be sent, but knowing what to say. We need to explore the good news again and again. We can never graduate, come on, from the gospel. We must always come back to this ground zero and ask the simple question, what is this good news? For a couple of reasons. Number one, if the good news is clear in your heart, then it can dance sweetly and naturally on your lips. There can be no space or place for fear, confusion, convolution regarding what the gospel is. We must be on the same page as the Bible, the Holy Spirit, regarding exactly what this good news is. I hope today I'm going to show you an illustration, a word picture that will go so deep into your heads and your hearts that you'll forever know, okay, this is how we share what the good news message is. Come on, we have to look at the good news again and again because how many know good news can become old news real quick? You know what I'm saying? You experience something for the first time and it blows your mind. I introduced a couple of friends this morning to Bojangles Cajun Filet Biscuits. And I knew, because they hadn't had one before, I knew it was going to hit just right. And sure enough, as sure as the sun rises in the morning, smiles will break across your face as you experience the Cajun Filet Biscuit for the first time. How many know after the thousandth Cajun Filet Biscuit, it doesn't hit quite the same? Because familiarity, if not breeding contempt all the time, definitely breeds a level of complacency. And we must always make sure that the good news of Jesus takes our breath away. You can never allow the gospel to become ho-hum, meh, mid. You can never allow the gospel to be something that you've heard before, but doesn't cause your heart to race. I'm telling you honestly, if you get nothing else, I hope and pray that you get this. If you allow the goodness of the gospel to wash over your heart again and again and again, you will have no problem going and being sent. When you so get overwhelmed by how good it is, I'm just here to testify, I have never got over the gospel. I got wrecked when I was 17 years old when Jesus came and found me by a lake and poured a bucket of hot love lava over my chest and I still feel it to this day. And everything about my life and everything about my interactions and everything about my preaching and everything about my ministry is an extension of, I cannot believe how good this is. Never allow the good news to become old news. Come on, we need to look at the gospel time and time again because even though a lot of people go to church in the South, a lot of people miss the good news the whole way. There are some people sitting in here right now because you're afraid of God. You're intimidated by God. You've done some stuff wrong in your life and you think maybe enough church attendance will cancel that out. 
You, you look into the heavens and you don't see a loving father who loves you with the power of a billion sons. No, you see someone who is fundamentally angry at you, wanting to take you out because you have broken a command. I'm here to let you know that is not good news. That is bad news. And if your picture of God is always like that, your relationship with him will always be this shallow. But if you could finally allow the good news to break through the religiosity and the legalism and get deep into your heart, I'm telling you now, there is a depth of freedom that you can plumb that I promise you will literally change your life. No, it'll save your life. We need to, as a church, as much as we preach it, keep coming back to the simple gospel. So here's the question. Okay, Big Dan, I see... You're out here pretty fired up today with your baggy pants on. Like, why do we have to care that much about the good news? And what is this good news, even if we try to explore it? Well, that's the question that was being posed to the Apostle Paul in Acts chapter 17. If you have your Bibles, would you go with me to the book of Acts chapter 17, specifically verses 16 through to 19? If you have the New Spring app, you can open up the New Spring app. The scripture is preloaded. If you don't have a Bible, we'd love to get a Bible into your hand at every single campus. There are supplies. And if your campuses are running low, go to the lost property area. You can find a nice leather-bound one there and the name of somebody who wasn't reading their Bible every day now. And so Acts chapter 17, this is the question that was posed to Paul. What is this good news message? Everyone believes something. We live in a day and an age where everyone thinks they hold the ultimate truth. How is the gospel different than every other world religion? How is the good news separate from every other ideology regarding God in the earth today? That was the question that was being posed to Paul. Acts chapter 17, verse 16, the Bible says, while Paul was waiting for them in Athens, he was greatly distressed to see that the city was full of idols. Nothing has changed. You think the world is crazier today than ever? No, just read the Bible. The, way, the, the, world, the world stays crazy because, but by the grace of God, hey, we're in trouble. But how many you know the grace of God is more than enough to turn everything back to right? Come on. So here he is. He's hanging out in Athens. He's seeing idols everywhere, worship of other gods. So he reasoned in the synagogue with both Jews and God-fearing Greeks, as well as in the marketplace day by day with those who happened to be there. There is no shortage of opportunity for you to share the good news. There is no shortage of opportunity for you to shine light. It is surrounding you everywhere. He's doing it in the marketplace. He's doing it in the city streets. A group of Epicurean and Stoic philosophers began to debate with him. They were pushing him. They were asking him questions. Some of them asked, what is this babbler trying to say? They were throwing shade at him. They were hating on him. Others remarked, he seems to be advocating foreign gods. They said this because Paul was preaching the good news about Jesus and the resurrection. Then they took him and brought him to a meeting of the Arapagus. This is like a, you know, like, a, like a giant coffee shop where all the brilliant gathered together to talk about stuff. Just everyday stuff was put on the table and they'd talk about it, they'd theorize, they theologize, they philosophize, they would just chat, all right, at the Arapagus. Where they said to him, may we know what this new teaching is that you are presenting. 
And then Paul starts to explain what the good news message is. He starts in verse 22 and he says, this whole good news message has to begin with this, this observation, that all of y'all are very religious. Human beings by default have always asked questions about God. They've done it out in open fields, they've done it in temples, they've done it in the context of community by themselves, study history, dabble in archeology. span You will see that as human beings, we are knit together by this common thread. We have all stared into the heavens and asked questions. What's out there? Who made everything? Can we get to know him? Does he want to get to know us? He goes on in verse 27 to say, the reason we've asked questions since the beginning of time about God is because you were made by him and for him. God set inside of your heart a desire to search for him. That's the reason Augustine says the human soul is a restless one indeed until it finds its rest in God because all of us, young and old, rich and poor, educated, uneducated, been around church, new to this whole deal. We have a beacon going off in our hearts 24 hours a day, seven days a week, wanting to understand why we are here. And creation can only find full context in relationship with the creator. All of us have a default setting of search. He explains in verse 24 that every religion that we formulate every construct that we pull together regarding relating with God are basically the same. In verse 24, he says, here's the deal with all of y'all's religions. They are all built by human hands. Or in other words, it's your effort, it's your energy. It's your ability to show yourself worthy of God's love that gets you into relationship with him. That's the reason in the world today, a lot of people think all world religions are the same. Have you heard that before? All religions are the same, different paths leading to the same truth, one tree with many branches and roots. And the reason people believe that is because fundamentally that's true. Every world religion is effectively the same, except for the good news message, except for the gospel, except for Jesus. It stands apart. It stands alone. Let me explain to you. You see, right now on this earth, as technologically advanced as we are, as modern as we are, as enlightened as we are, fundamentally, human beings are still basically religious. Out of eight billion people on planet earth, the vast majority would subscribe to some form of construct regarding how you relate to God. And every world religion, except for the good news message, is built on this same premise, your effort, your energy, your endeavor, you get yourself to God. Let me explain. It's like God's up there, you're down here, and you gotta build ladders with your human hands to get to him. So right now, I have many Muslim friends, there are about two billion Muslims on planet Earth who honestly and earnestly believe the way you connect with God, Allah, is by waking up in the morning and praying. And there are five times a day that they need to pray, offerings they must give at, fast and feast they must observe. And if it ever comes to a point where they can give their life in the sake of a holy cause, then they will find themselves at one with their creator. Now, not here to pick a fight with someone from a different religion. I'm just trying to make the observation that at the heart of this message, it's them 
through their effort, through their endeavor, getting themselves to God. Yet there are another nearly one billion people on planet Earth. A lot of them within my family tree, still living within China and Hong Kong and Malaysia, who are Buddhists, who say, you know what, no, it's not your service or your sacrifice that gets you to God, it's your ability to find an enlightened path and walk it. So if you can follow this path, and there are four noble truths and, and eight noble paths, and, and if, you can, if you can empty yourself of every earthly lust, every appetite, every desire, you'll be freed to embrace God and your godness. Uh, you'll be enlightened. You'll find a nirvana, if you will. Now, I'm not here to pick on meditating. I'm sure it's very, very, you know, relaxing if you really get into it. I'm just trying to make the observation. At the heart of this thinking, it's still you, your effort, your energy that gets you towards God. Yet there are another more than one billion people on planet Earth, maybe even more than like kind of a billion and a bit, because if you throw Hinduism and Eastern religion in together, who say, you know what? No, it's about living a good life and then you die. And then you get to come back, you get to reincarnate. And if you can get a streak going and get enough good lives together, you can find yourself ascending to a place where you are with the God and a God yourself. So you're out here and you're trying to live a good life. You're trying to be a moral person, then you die. You come back, you get another opportunity. You make a few mistakes, and you come back as a lower life form. You know what I'm saying? Like a cat. So you're trying to be a good cat. So how are you a good cat? You're a dead cat. And you come back and you live a good life. You die. You live a good life. You die. You live a good life. You die. And eventually, you get to a place where you're with all the others who have done the same. You've ascended to a place where you are with the gods and a god yourself. Now, I'm not trying to get into a discussion or a debate about reincarnation. I'm just trying to make the observation. Again, the root of this philosophy is still you climbing your way to God. Now, I'm looking around the Anderson campus right now, and I'm guessing it's the same thing in all of our campuses, that I see a lot of people who are smiling, who are going, thank you so much, Dan. What an educational morning. I'm learning about other world religions and how they all climb ladders. But I can see in your eyes, you're going, but Dan, there's, there's one factor that you're missing here, okay? We're Americans, and we don't climb ladders, you know what I'm saying? Like, well, yeah, those are what, that's what other people do, but, but we don't really do that here in America. But can I suggest to you, even in this great nation of America, a lot of people have a game plan, and it's basically you climbing a ladder to God. That's the heart of moralism. So people who think that God's basically a nice guy, and if you act a certain way, you're down with him. So I, I'm a, trying to be a good person and I'm a moral person and I you know, don't cheat on my taxes much and don't cheat on my spouse and, you know, and I help little old ladies across the road. The little old lady went across the road. I dragged the old lady across the road and, and I did so much that eventually I get to stand before God and he weighs up my life. And if I've got more good than bad, then I'm cool with him. If I've got more bad than good, then I might be in some trouble. So while I'm here on earth, I don't have a relationship with him, but I need to do enough to make sure that my ledger is square with him. Now, again, I'm not trying to throw shade at America. In fact, it's against my immigration agreement. <laughs> Just trying to make the observation. At the base of moralism, 
Who's the game plan? Still you. Your effort, your ability to be a good person. Now I'm looking around, I'm seeing the, the smiles got a little bigger, you know what I'm saying? But I can see in your eyes, you're saying this. Okay, Dan, not only are we American, but we are Christian Americans. And not only Christian Americans, buddy, you find yourself in the middle of the Bible belt. We're the buckle of that Bible belt of American Christianity. But can I humbly submit to you that even though you might have been brought up in your grandmama's church or that great church up the street or that, that nice, you know, generous church up the road, that a lot of people sitting in here today might sing Amazing Grace with their lips, but they don't feel it in their hearts. And their game plan really is, when you break it down, let's be real right now, you climbing ladders to him. That's the reason some people say, you know, I've got to go to church. Because you know, I know if I miss church this week, this will be the week that Jesus comes back. So we've got to go to church. And when we go, we've got to sing. We've got to sing. Oh, my hands were in my pocket. I hope you didn't see me with my hands on. I'm going to sing. I've got to, I can't do the full extension, but I've got to get a little half mass kind of praise and worship. And there's some money that I've got to give. You know, I've got, I'm not giving. Right, times are tight right now, but I'm giving some kind of money. And I've I got to serve. I've got to read my Bible. I've got to pray every day because I want to grow. Because I want to grow. And if eventually I do enough, and I avoid those bad things, and I do good things, I feel cool with him. But the moment I stumble or I fall, I feel like I'm transported to a place in a space that's a million miles away. My relationship with him is always two steps forward and two steps back. You never feel easy being around the presence of God. And can I, again, humbly submit to you, the reason you feel that way in your journey with God is because somewhere deep in your psyche, you think it's still climbing ladders to him. So here we find ourselves as a humanity made by God and for God, trying to reach to God. And we find ourselves in the midst of a problem. As high as you climb, as hard as you try, as much as you do, and for as long as you do it, we still fall short. And, 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 and it's logical. Because when the book of Romans chapter three and verse 23 says that we have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, it kind of makes sense. How can you impress a perfect God with your stained hands? Come on, when you really think about it, it's logical. How can you cancel out the wrong with your good when our works before God are like filthy rags? If we're keeping a tally for every one righteous thing that I do, I do 10 sinful things. It's always one step forward and 10 steps back. And we are all like that. We're reaching out with everything that we've got. We're trying to theologize our way to God, meditate our way to God. But when the Bible says in Isaiah 55 that his thoughts are higher than our thoughts, you know that rings true. How can you think your way to God? South Carolina and Houston, we have a problem. We were made by God for God. We will not be satisfied until we find ourselves in God. We've been trying to climb to God, but we still fall short. That's the bad news. Here comes the good. Then Jesus shows up. And he flips the script and he changes the game. 
In John chapter 14, verse six, he would step into the murk and the mire and he would declare, I'll be the way, I'll be the truth, and I'll be the life. I know for some people, you bristle at that statement, especially in this post-modernic, everyone has their own truth, how dare you judge someone else kind of day. I can understand why some people think when Jesus said that he's the way, the truth, and the life, and that no one comes to the Father except by him, Jesus was being small-minded, and Christians espousing that are being bigoted, but nothing could be further from the truth. When Jesus said that he's the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except by him, he wasn't trying to belittle other people's pursuit. He wasn't trying to show you how your pursuit falls short and how you can't be the way. But fear not, God loves you so much, he stepped out of heaven into earth and to make a way for you. Religion is about your pursuit of God The good news message is about God's pursuit of you. If you're grateful for that in this room, in your room, just praise Him right now. This, my friends, is a good news message. That the one who is the Word eternal stepped into earth and the Word became flesh. He made His dwelling amongst us. He comes to find you. He found a fisherman by the Sea of Galilee looking for purpose, changed his name from Simon to Peter. He found a tax collector, sick and tired of the life he was living and the inability to look in the mirror. He says, hey, Matthew, you're gonna be one of my disciples. He finds a woman with the issue of blood that society had rejected and he gave her dignity. He found a sinful woman scratching around in the dirt. He found a religious guy sitting in a tree He came searching for people and he still does that today. He comes searching for a guy who used to play baseball back in the day and with every single passing season, you're a better and better baseball player in your brain, you know what I'm saying? And he comes to find you as you're working at the YMCA and you're shining Jesus at, at 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 the front desk every morning, but understanding that every bit of love you have to extend, his love for you is that times a billion. He comes to find somebody with, who, who, who has a, a jewelry background and, and you're just out here just trying to live your life and be a good person. But you carry weight in your heart and you just don't know if you're ever okay with God. And he shows up and he cuts in on your journey and he gives you an answer because of the blood of Jesus. The answer is yes, yes, a million times. Yes. He came and found me. A greasy, long-haired Asian guy sitting by a lake, angry at the world. And he filled my heart with love. This, my friends, is the good news message. You can quit climbing because he already climbed down the ladder to get to you. Is anyone grateful that he came and found you, come on, where you are at. Twisted up, bound up, ground up, addicted, a failure, a fragmented fool. He came to find you where you are at. Here's the good news. The one who came to find you is still searching for the people all around you. God loved the world so much, he sent his son Jesus 
and he loves the roofing industry so much in the city of Anderson, he's sending you, Lee. He loved the world so much that he sent his son Jesus, but he loves the freshmen at Anderson University. He's sending you, Cassie. The good news is not only he comes to find you, now he sends you to let people know religion is about people climbing to God. The good news message is about a God so good he came down a ladder to find you. And here's the best part. He doesn't even come to search for you. He comes to save you. And the salvation doesn't come just through a fist bump. The salvation came through him paying a price that we couldn't afford to pay. Him clearing the debt that we didn't have the righteousness to clear. So Jesus would come down to this earth and live a perfect life, walk the dusty streets that we walk, taste the bitter pills we all taste, know the rejection we have all felt. And eventually it would lead him to being a servant that didn't just pour out drinks and see food shared, but his blood poured out and his body surrendered. This is the Jesus who allowed his back to be shredded, torn apart by whips so that your torn apart life could be mended back together. Come on, this is the Jesus who would carry not his cross, but the cross that had your name and your sin and your shame on it up a lonely hill. This is the Jesus who would be pierced with nine-inch nails, pinned to a cross so that you could be let off the hook. This is the Jesus who would be hoisted in the air as agony would fill his body so relief could finally fill yours. This is the Jesus who took the weight of the world's sin, put it inside of himself, and for a moment, his father would have to turn his back so his father could turn his face to us forever. In agony, he would eventually breathe his last so that we could breathe our first. Darkness would befall the earth from noon to three so light could rise in your life from here into eternity that would take Jesus and they would put him in a tomb. The hordes of hell began to party. The king is dead. The king is dead. But little did they know, like little do some of us know, God loved us so much, he sent Jesus to die for us, but loves us too much to allow Jesus to stay dead. Because three days later, that stone began to shake, come on, and that rock began to roll, and Jesus would rise again. This, my friends, is the best news, not only about his sacrifice and his saving, but now the fact that he is here today, alive, and he gets to stay with us. This, my friends, is the great news of the gospel. Many men and women have gone before as righteous individuals dying for a cause. Only one rose again and lives today. This, my friends, is very good news. Take this message 
Hey, go to Home Depot. Buy a ladder. Take a ladder. <laughs> to your friends at school, to your neighbors in your street, to the people in your workplace, in the buddy group that you hang out with, take this message. Because the God who seeks is the God who saves. The God who saves is the God who stays. This, my friends, is very good news. If you're grateful to God, just put your hands together for a couple of moments. I love it. Because that means I get to look into the eyes of the most broken of people and know deep in my heart that things can be made different because he's alive. Come on, I love this. Because I butt up against people who are literally being choked out by the cords of religiosity and they don't even know the way forward. And I just know that Jesus will lovingly and patiently unwrap those cords. I love it. Because I know people who don't even believe in God. I'm an agnostic. I'm an atheist. It's all good. It's not up to me to convince you. It's up to him to chase you. And guess what? Jesus be fitter than you. <laughs> this, my friends, come on, is very good news. Religion says you climb the ladder. What does the gospel say? God came down the ladder for you. Can someone say a good amen to that? So as you wrap up our time, I just want to do a couple of things. Like every single week, we respond with communion. If anyone in this room is excited about the fact that Jesus saved their life, communion is for you. If his blood washed away your sin, if his resurrection power raised you again, I'm going to invite you in your rooms to go find a station and receive communion today. The blood poured out and that body given. We're gonna worship God in song. I don't know about you, but I don't know if I can keep quiet thinking about how good this news is. Come on, I'm gonna sing at the top of my lungs. We're gonna give. In the light of what God gave, how can I do anything but give Him my first and my best? But specifically, in every single campus, I wanna do two things. Number one, there's someone in your room right now who doesn't know Jesus. In fact, right now, I'm gonna invite everyone just to close their eyes where they are. Just close your eyes right now. I want you to ask this question. Have you ever honestly said thank you for him coming down the ladder for you? I'm not talking about have you done religious things. I'm talking about have you just fully trusted in his grace and his goodness? If you haven't, can I lead you in a prayer that heaven will hear? I want you to pray this in your heart. Just pray it in your heart. Dear Jesus, I open up my heart to you or open up my life to your love. Help me by your spirit to live now for your glory. Amen. Open your eyes. If you pray that prayer, we would love to connect with you. On every single campus, there's going to be a volunteer standing by the cross. And as we worship God in song and as people take communion, you might want to slip out of your seat and meet that person by the cross. We'd love to put a Bible in your hand. We'd love to pray for you. And most importantly, we'd love to commit to you that we want to help you into an everyday relationship with Jesus. Come on, we're about everyone everywhere. Come on, in an everyday relationship with Jesus. Finally, as we all stand to our feet, 
and all of our ministry teams get to their positions. Can we, let's be real for just a minute here right now, okay? There's someone, is there anyone in your life, a child, a neighbor, a family friend? Is there someone in your life who needs this good news message? Just lift your hands high in the sky right now. Lift it high. Okay, so your hands are lifted. All right, put them down. Hear me one more time. If you go and you share out of religious obligation, that will bear no fruit that will last. But when you share, come on, this message, overwhelmed by the goodness of this message, you might just find yourself in the midst of a conversation that God's already begun with your family friend, with your neighbor. So if you lifted your hand and you know that you need that extra push of boldness, grace, strength, or even the opportunity this week, as we begin to worship God, take communion, we're gonna have people in every single room. Specifically, I just feel in my spirit, there's someone here with a prodigal who needs to come home. And it's been so long, and you are so discouraged, you've given up, you've given up. You've given up praying. We wanna spark up a prayer today. Come on. I would love for you to slip out of your seats and connect with somebody. We're going to believe that as we are sent, we will know what to say. So Lord Jesus, right now as we respond, we want to say, help us by your spirit. Be overwhelmed with the goodness of this message. We thank you, God, that even though the religion that so permeates this earth says we have to climb to you, the gospel says you climb to us. Don't ever allow that to become old news. Cause that smile to break across our face. Cause that word to come out of our mouth. We thank you for this good news message. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Thanks for listening to the New Spring Church Podcast. Make sure to visit our website at newspring.cc for more content, including videos, articles, and devotionals to help you have an everyday relationship with Jesus. Or plan a visit to one of our campuses across the state of South Carolina.